most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Flex Podcast. Dane Martinez and Samantha Praviti reacting to what we've seen in the week of the NFL and also trying to spin it forward, getting a look at the waiver wire, trying to see who you need to scoop up ahead of the competition. Because remember, it's not just draft day. It is week by week. You got to ride that waiver wire and leave no stone left unturned. So let's get into it right now, Samantha. I mean, Last week, we were talking about how to react to the Dak Prescott injury, right? That was kind of the big headline. And unfortunately, we have to once again talk about how do we react to a QB1 going down. This time, it's Trey Lance in San Francisco, broken ankle. It looks like he's going to be gone for the season. Now, I know a lot of people are running a pickup. Jimmy Garoppolo, I know Jimmy Garoppolo got $350,000 extra in contract incentives because of his performance. But I got to ask you, the same way we did last week with the skill positions for the Cowboys, what does it mean, in your opinion, for the skill positions of the San Francisco 49ers going from Trey Lance to Jimmy GQ? Sure, yeah, absolutely brutal. And going back to last week, by the way, for the Cowboys, I was yeah. actually very pleasantly surprised how well all of those guys did in spite of having Cooper Rush. So I, I'm going to say that I'm even less concerned about the skill position players in this downgrade from Trey Lance to Jimmy G. Now, I do think Trey Lance is the guy in San Francisco. They obviously went out and got him. Sure. And I, for fantasy, obviously, he offers this awesome floor because he has that rushing. But for the other guys on the team, I mean, it could be even or maybe even a slight upgrade. Uh, like Debo Samuel remains that wide receiver one, especially if Elijah Mitchell is out, he's getting those rushing yards. I mean, he's just an absolute monster. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think he's a guy that could definitely actually benefit from the situation. He had a good rapport with Jimmy G when Kyle Shanahan let him do stuff. Um, so I think he is in that wide receiver three flex conversation. George Kittle, if he ever plays, uh, I, I hope he recovers from this groin injury. He's obviously a tight end one when he's on the field. So that's like un changed to me and then the running game that's the only thing that maybe takes a little bit of a hit just because Jimmy G's not that much of a running quarterback um but I think like game script wise it should be pretty similar like I don't I think that he will keep them in games and everything keep it competitive so Jeff Wilson Jr. did look pretty good that week um and Tyrion Davis Price was was in the mix as well I think they they had pretty similar number of carries but Jeff Wilson was the guy so he's in that like low-end RB2 range right now yeah, I mean, listen, I hope George Kittle plays. I have him now on my bench in a number of leagues, but I did start in his place, someone that you will be mentioning a little bit later, I think, when we go to the waiver wire. I got to follow up on one specific 49er, though, Samantha, and that's Debo Samuel. I actually think this is a good thing for Debo Samuel. We've had this conversation before, and 
going into the year, a little bit of cause for pause I had for Debo was he may not get as many running back carries or touches. And the reason because of that was now you had Trey Lance doing the running, right? He had, I think, 11 carries in week one, was a part of the run game before he got hurt yesterday as well. But now that part has been removed. Do you think San Fran may kind of evolve back into the 2021 usage for Debo Samuel, which is really like a top five wideout? So I'm not sure about the rushing because when Debo was in this like holdout type thing over the summer, he did express that he did not want to be used in that way. I mean, and I, it's understandably so this is their future. This is their health and guys that are in a running situation are just going to be more exposed to injuries. So I get why he would say that. So I don't think it's going to be like a 50% increase or anything like that. But to your point, like he may get more goal line carries or something like Mm. that, because that would have been Trey Lance. So I think on net, like it's, it's either neutral or slightly positive for pretty much everyone there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, Trey Lance was going to get maybe eight to 12 carries a game and someone has to get some of those carries. And we know that in this Shanahan offense, they'll utilize everybody. It could be use check. It could be these wide receivers like Ayuk and Samuel. So I actually do think they may get some more touches now that Trey Lance is kind of, you know, on the stretcher and out and we go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously the Trey Lance injury though, Samantha was the biggest one of the week, but there's a few other injuries that I think were really important to people that would probably be in starting lineups. I mean, Connor in Arizona, Jerry Judy in Denver, this goes on and on. Which of the non-Trey Lance injuries do you think is the biggest one coming out of week two? Sure. I mean, uh, none of these guys uh, that you mentioned, so Connor, Judy, Harris, or Schultz, uh, there has not been indication that those will be long-term quite yet. I think Fair. everyone is pretty much on that day-to-day type thing. Harris looked bad. So I think that we kind of just need to wait and see on him um, because otherwise, like there's not really a good backup for him. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is the only other person that got running right. back carries. Uh, so, I, I mean, there's not like a guy that's like, oh yeah, you got to pick up this guy. Um, with Jerry Judy, I know the x-rays were negative. I think they're still kind of waiting results, but that's, that's a day-to-day thing. James Conner certainly was concerning because he basically missed all the second half and they had to use a committee there. So with that ankle injuries, I don't know if it, it doesn't seem like it's serious, at least like based on the, the early reports. So I'm not, I'm not going to, to stress out too, too much. I'm, I mean, I think one ankle injury is, is enough. Um, one major ankle injury for the week is enough, but uh, yeah, um, hopefully these are all like relatively minor and they're able to come back from them. Yeah, fair enough. The Damian Harris one is really interesting to me, Samantha. And here's why. You're right. He got banged up at the very end of the game. So we couldn't see if he would have returned to the field or whatever the case may be. Reports are that he was walking around and okay after the game. But to me, that's the important one because in a lot of these situations, Samantha, we're like picking someone up off the practice squad or someone who is on the bench, right? But with Ramondre Stevenson, this was like a legitimate timeshare to begin with, right? And so if Harris wasn't there, that could mean that Stevenson sees really the bulk of touches. You know, he is rostered in around 80 to 82% of leagues. But for one out of five of you listening to the Fantasy Flex right now, you may want to keep an eye on that Damian Harris injury because Stevenson, I believe, could actually be a legitimate RB2 if there were no Damian Harris. And honestly, Samantha, the Jerry Judy one, I don't know if I'm believing in any parts of this Denver offense anyway, the way it has looked at it, the way you roll your eyes, right? 
I agree. Like KJ Hamler step up. Who cares? I'll be okay. Hamler's also a big guy. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, but the thing is this Broncos offense in itself, I don't know how many shares I want of any of them. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, it, it's absolutely awful. I want to blame Nathaniel Hackett, obviously. <laughs> did, did, like a lot of things are his fault. Like the first game, there was so much going on, right? Like there were bad coaching decisions, but then there were 8 million penalties. And I was thinking, you know, I'm throwing this game out. Like it's not, it's not a useful data point for me quite yet because, you know, it took how many quarters for them, for uh, Russell Wilson to even throw to a wide receiver in that game. So it was just like a weird game. But now I'm thinking like maybe this is the identity of the Broncos right now. Like they're not going to be that zero to hero team. So uh, I'm really, I I am really concerned. KJ Hamler's also banged up along with Jerry Judy, Alberto looking like, oh no. So Mm. yeah, I I don't know. Um, I think like the only one that I feel good about right now is like Portland Sutton and I guess Javante Williams. All right, let's spin it forward here on the Fantasy Flex. Dane Martinez, Samantha Praviti. We're talking now waivers, waiver wire, position by position. Obviously, a lot of people are scrambling because of the Trey Lance injury. So just straight up, Samantha, do you just run and pivot right to Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position? I mean, he's definitely the obvious replacement here. And he looked decent. I mean, it, it completed 13 of 21 attempts for 154 yards. So that's not crazy good, but I also like don't want to make too, too much of the situation. He came in mid game. Obviously there's like, he could absolutely look better if he had a week to prepare for the game. Um, But I mean, he was the QB 18 last season with 15 starts, had his best season in 2019 during that Super Bowl run. He finishes QB 14. So like that is his ceiling. Like he is not going to be, you know, finishing top three, for instance, but you know, you've already got two quarterbacks out for extended periods of time. So, I mean, the waiver wire is looking really harsh. Like Carson Wentz, for instance, with is already now rostered in like 60% of leagues. So most people are not going to have a chance at Carson Wentz. So, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably your best option of the guys that are widely available. So I think that that makes the most sense. After that, it's like Jared, I mean, Jared Goff looks pretty good. That O-line is looking pretty good. It's making him look like kind of like a superstar, 22% rostered. So he's another guy that I feel like if you're going to miss out on Garoppolo, he's like a, a plan B. I mean, I think if you're in this like Trey Lance situation or if you're in the Stack Prescott situation, you may need to just hodgepodge it together. There's not like one amazing guy quite yet. I mean, there could be a guy like, you know, Marcus Mariota could end up being a great fantasy quarterback or something like that. But right now there is no the guy. So I think you're just going to have to kind of play the waiver wire and play the matchups. You know, listen, you mentioned Jared Goff kind of as a throw in. And I got to tell you, that's there's worse options out there. The Detroit Lions seem to be throwing the ball a lot more than they run. I'm on Ross St. Brown is doing the things. Sun that like out there. <laughs> right. And first of all, then his brother, Equiminius St. Brown, continues to do work. Apparently their father was Mr. Universe at one point. So the St. Brown family certainly doing things. And if the Detroit Lions, you know, are going to be scoring 30 points in backdoor covers on a week to week basis, Jared Goff is kind of the guy. I mean, there was one year where Blake Bortles finishes like QB seven, all in garbage time. I don't care how the points come as long as they go to my team. Well, let's talk about the running back position, Samantha. I know there's a couple of people out there. You mentioned Connor down with an injury. I'm talking about Damian Harris in New England. Who are some guys that are on your radar to pick up in advance of week three? 
Unfortunately, the waiver wire pickings for running back are not that great this week, but I will start with Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. Those are the Cardinals running backs that did take over the backfield after Connor exited the game. Uh, Williams led the team in rushing with eight carries, 59 yards and a touchdown. Benjamin had eight carries for 31 yards. So that's going to be some kind of timeshare if Connor ends up missing time. I think like Daryl Williams is a very valuable type insurance policy. So he's 4% rostered, you know, Benjamin's 11% rostered. So they're guys that I think that you can definitely get some value out of if James Connor sits. Uh, Raheem Mostert is an interesting name. So he obviously Mm -hmm. was very relevant for fantasy for a long time. He's now with the Dolphins, 43% rostered. So week one, he was kind of like on milk cartons and it was really the Chase Edmonds show. And then this week, complete opposite, led the Dolphins backfield with 11 carries for 51 yards and that monster 42 to 38 come from behind victory. Also reeled in a couple targets for 28 yards. He is the RB20 entering Monday night. So I don't know if this is like an indication of how the workload split is going to go between him and Edmonds moving forward, but it is enough to speculate and want to grab him because he is a talented guy. He's dealt with injuries and he's also dealt with Kyle Shanahan's Shanahanigans in the backfield. So, uh, you know, he, he could certainly develop into that like RB three, maybe or fringe RB two type situation. If Edmonds is not the guy there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Mostert, right? Because obviously they have McDaniel, who also came over from San Francisco. So he has some familiarity with the shenanigans, <laughs> as you're talking about. But when it comes to Mostert, you know, for fantasy, Samantha, a lot of times I look at teams even more than players. You know, I'd rather get a small sliver of a watermelon than a big target share of a grape. And so my question is, how much of the Mostert kind of ascension is also tied to the fact that, you know, people need to apologize to the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa in general. You know, we were talking a lot about Tua. Did he throw a great ball? How accurate he was? That's what Tyreek Hill had to say in the offseason. But I mean, six touchdowns. The fact that Waddle and Hill on these sides seem to be kind of opening things up for others. Is Mostert really kind of ascending because people are starting to believe in the Miami offense overall? Yeah, I could definitely see that. I am one of those people that owes Tua and the Dolphins an apology because he was all over my sit column. I I mean, I I don't want to say that I completely wrote them off against the Ravens, but especially with the way the game was starting, I was like, oh God, this is going to be a long day for them. But they really did show up in the end. So I think like if that's the Dolphins team that we expect to see now, I am a little concerned. Obviously they're playing the Bills next week. So that could be a bad matchup for Mostert, for instance, and a number of the guys. But at this point, they're basically playing with house money right like they're not expected to win the bills game but they could go in there and actually really shock them so i i I mean anything's possible with this team right now they're they're looking really really strong yeah speed kills in miami (laughs) maybe some more people are gonna have to apologize trust me i count myself among them as well one other running back i want to ask you about though samantha is mark ingram in New Orleans, okay? Now, he's on a lot of people's boards to add, but he kind of split time with Tony Jones. And to be quite honest, does this really matter? Because Kamara was out in week two. And as soon as Kamara comes back, doesn't he wind up with the lion's share of the touches anyway? To me, actually, Mark Ingram on the waiver wire is actually a fugazi, someone to forget about. What say you? 
Uh, well, it depends on what we think in terms of like Kamara's health moving forward. Now, right. this is one thing that in the offseason I was concerned about because when his suspension was looming, there really wasn't right. that guy. It wasn't like Alex Madison to Delvin Cook or something right. like that. So I was like, oh, it's Mark Ingram. He's 32 years old. Like, I'm supposed to get excited about that. But I mean, he when you say he split carries, I mean, he had 10 carries for 60 yards. Tony Jones had two carries for eight yards. So, I mean, it, at least to me, that game showed me that he is the backup. So if you have Kamara, I don't think it's a bad idea to roster Ingram. He is 30% rostered. Yeah. I mean, 60 yards, isn't going to win you games, but it, it, it was also not a great game overall for the saints, not a great game that favored the run. So right. hopefully there are better days to come. I mean, obviously they're playing the Bucks, and that's just going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I think for Ingram to really be viable, you need two things. One, Kamara to stay on the sidelines and a game script where New Orleans is winning in games. And that's not necessarily what happened against Tampa Bay yesterday. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over under. For example, rushing yards at a football number or points in basketball, then choose the amount of money you wanna enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friend's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. As we move to the wide receiver position, Samantha, I want to ask you about two teams. I asked you about the Washington wide receivers last week. The first team I want to ask you about is my very own J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. They get a comeback victory after an onside kick, and there's really kind of a three-headed monster in New York, right? We got the rookie Garrett Wilson, we got the second-year guy Elijah Moore, and we have Corey Davis, who's kind of like old faithful. He's the one who gets the big bomb touchdown. How do you see this breaking out? If you had the opportunity to snap up a Jet wide receiver yes I'm gonna say that again if you had an opportunity to snap up a Jets wide receiver and think that that's the most prudent decision which one do you go for Sure. I am going to go for Garrett Wilson, 100%. I mean, he is 22% rostered right now. I think he should be 100% rostered. And I think he is worthy of either that top claim or a premium fab bid, if that is how okay. your waivers work. Uh, I mean, he's making the legitimate case to be the number one, both in the rookie class and the Jets offense at this point. I, he had a really, he had a, he had a decent game in week one. I will say he looked very athletic and great in week one, um, mm -hmm. you know, 52 yards in week one. And and then week two just comes back and actually just 
blows everyone away. Eight catches on 14 targets for 102 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, in from the eye test, he just looks so good. So yes, to your point, it's really weird to be, to be, to be saying like, <laughs> I want to spend all my fab on a Jets wide receiver, yeah. but he is the guy. I mean, he is the guy. He is, he was highly obviously touted out of college. Sure. He I mean, Olave too. I mean, both of them, was, it was just such a great tandem there. A lot of people argued which one was better, but I mean, I think both of them are going to be really, really impactful right out of the gate. So, I mean, Davis is certainly someone that I think is also worth rostering. He's 14% rostered. Um, he got that bomb touched on, like you said, yep. 66 yards um, with a minute and 22 seconds remaining in the game. So very, very crucial. Um, it, I did not expect the Jets to be this uh, this scrappy at this point. And I had to watch that whole game because my boyfriend is a Browns fan. <laughs> Well, listen, I liked it. I can't be mad. I stayed away from the Cleveland Browns and Survivor this week because I couldn't mm. root against my own team. And so, you know, I'm actually surviving and advancing where a lot of people got banged out. We also last week talked about the Washington receivers. Mm. And it seems you're going right back to the well with the rookie out of Penn State, John Dodson. Yes, I am. So Curtis Samuel was in that conversation last week too. And I know that you asked me which one would I roster and both of them are worth rostering. Now Samuel's rostership went from, I don't know, probably under 20% to like 70% right now. Um, And then McLaurin's up there at 98%. So those guys are probably out of the question for most people, but Dotson's out there. He's rostered in 43% of leagues. And this week just showed me that last week was not a fluke. Uh, He caught four of five targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. Currently the wide receiver 16 heading into Monday out targeted by Curtis Samuel. So I think that that kind of shows where he is, but he's still very much capable of that big play. And Carson Wentz is not looking nearly as bad for fantasy purposes as we thought. I mean, the commanders lost that game via defense, not necessarily yeah. offense. So, and the commanders have a nice schedule coming up, uh, Eagles, Cowboys, Titans. So, I mean, Dawson could sneakily be in that like wide receiver three conversation. All right, fair enough. As long as Washington and Carson Wentz are still down in games and needing to play a little catch-up like they were, oddly enough, in Detroit yesterday. The last team I want to ask you about, Samantha, when it comes to the wide receiver position, is Tampa Bay, okay? I mean, we know Godwin is out for multiple weeks. We get word today that Mike Evans is going to be suspended for a game for, you know, sticking up for his boy, Tom Brady. We also know Julio didn't make it yesterday. He may come back, but like out of these kind of next man up, I mean, Brashard Perryman, Scotty Miller, Russell Gage, who do you think winds up soaking up the usage, the target and the fantasy potential in Tampa Bay? Because you know Tom Brady's going to throw the ball. Yeah, it's now wide open, uh, assuming there's at least going to be two guys missing the game next week with Evans and probably Godwin, Godwin maybe yeah. Julio, don't know. But yeah, I mean, Perriman was the only Buccaneer to find the end zone in the game. He uh, like, sorry, the only Buccaneer that caught a pass in the end zone in the game. Uh, but he and the others pretty much capitalized on the absence of these guys. He caught three of five targets for 45 yards and a touchdown. Gage also bener- benefited a little bit less. But you know what? I will say that I think that Gage is probably the one that I would go for on the waivers. He is 41% rostered versus Barriman and Miller being 0% yeah. rostered. So we're looking at very different situations here. But Gage is someone that I, I was big on in the offseason going into the year. And I thought 
that yes. he was going to be a really nice sleeper. Now I got less confident with that when Godwin's timeline got moved up and then they signed Julio. So then he kind of like took a backseat to that, but right. now he's looking like he's getting another opportunity here. And he's a guy that's like, no one ever thinks of him. He's like Tim Patrick. He's, he's like not a sexy yes. name, but he is someone that produces for fantasy year in and year out when given the opportunity. So this could be the opportunity. Um, they, yeah, so I would go out and get him if you have if you have the opportunity at forty one percent rostered. The other two guys, a little bit more of a dart throw, I think. Uh, they're both under one percent rostered. I'm all about Russell Gage. Listen, in the off season, I also thought that Russell Gage was going to be sneaky as that number three wide out on a team where Brady would throw for 5,000 yards. But you said the Godwin timeline. And then when they signed Julio Jones, that really put a damper on it. But in some of these situations, I like to follow the money, Samantha. And, you know, Tampa went out and signed Russell Gage, you know, in the off season, they thought he had a role. And I think it could be his time to shine. As we go over to the tight end position, Samantha, I mean, you talked about George Kittle earlier in the show. We said that Dawson Schultz may have been banged up a little bit as well. Who are some tight ends that you uh, have your eyes on on the waiver wire? Sure. Yeah. The first one I'm going to talk about is Logan Thomas. He was actually in my look ahead waiver wire column that I write on Fridays. Um, I just had the suspicion that he might be out there catching touchdowns. And he did actually, he was one of three Washington pass catchers to find the end zone. Currently the tight end five and half TPR heading into Monday night. So he was the tight end 10 last year on a per game basis. He was dealing with a lot of injuries and everything like that. But I think that he he could be a seriously nice, like low end tight end one this year if Carson Wentz is going to continue playing like that. Um, I, he's also like, I mean, we've, we've, we talked about this last week with the tight ends that they don't, they can be a little bit more immune to subpar QB play. So right. I think like even if Wentz turns a little bit back into a pumpkin, Thomas will still be relevant out there. Um, he also plays in the NFC least. So uh, he's got some good games coming up against the Eagles, Cowboys, and Titans. So he is 14% rostered. I would say if you are the Schultz manager, uh, if you are the, the, the Kittle manager, or if you just have an underperforming tight end like Kyle Pitts or TJ Hawkinson <laughs> or TJ Hawkinson, I might pick another guy up just because like, you know, it. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying ditch pits yeah but if it's three weeks in a row where he has two catches of 19 yards because he had that in two consecutive I know, weeks I know, I know. <laughs> and like at one point at one point you're just gonna be like oh my god like is this what the arthur smith offense is gonna look like i don't know <laughs> let me ask you something though samantha maybe we'll talk about this more in the weeks on the horizon but like where is that line for you, right? You spend all summer, let's use Kyle Pitts as an example. You spend all summer thinking about like, oh, this guy's going to be tight end four. Overall, I need to use my fourth round draft pick on, on Kyle Pitts. And then we have two performances and some people are already, you know, going to throw him in the dumpster. Like how long do you have to wait before it's like, oh, okay, I believe what I see. This is the way this offense is going to be. Whether it's Kyle Pitts or anybody else, like how long do you generally wait until you cut bait? Yeah, so I'm not cutting bait quite yet with Kyle Pitts. I would say that I would consider benching him next week. Like if you have, for instance, like there are situations where you could have Pat Fryermuth and mm. Kyle Pitts, for instance, right. like, and I would probably play Fryermuth. He's looked better. Wow. The, I mean, just usage wise has looked better. Now that said, like you, you have to take a lot of things into consideration. Obviously the draft capital is one of them. Like it's kind of sunk cost at some point, but, but at the same time, 
like the reason that you drafted him there is because you did see the talent, you did believe in it, and you don't want to throw out everything that you thought of in the off season for two games that you've seen. Like that's the thing. Like you kind of have to wait them. Like I would wait those two games a little bit more than two games from last year, but I don't want to throw out everything that I saw from last year quite yet. So I don't have a hard deadline or anything, but like, for instance, like Cam Akers, um, who a lot of people drafted as like an RB2 um, or like low end RB2. I drafted him in a couple leagues. I sat him in every league last week. So uh, he he ended up doing okay. Not great. Uh, But like, I'm pretty quick to basically say like, okay. all right, you're, you're going to, you're going to sit on the bench until I see otherwise. And yeah, like sometimes it's disappointing when you miss like your little, your week off, for instance, like they go off on your bench, but then, then you can say like, kind of like the Garrett Wilson thing. I sat him in every league that I had and he obviously popped off. I was mad for a second, but now I'm like, okay, you know what? Now I have a stud and I'm not going to, it's only week two. <laughs> You know, I, I like that. You almost, you sounded like an angry mother there for a second, Samantha. You were like, go to your room, Kyle. And don't come out until I see you pop off on my bench at least one time. We were talking earlier in the show that about Miami and how this offense may be a lot more dynamic than originally anticipated. And for you, does that also go to the tight end position? Yes and no. So Mike Kosicki, like to be clear, laid a goose egg last week. So it was like one catch for one yard. So, and I was completely ready to write him off because I was already writing him off or like before the season started, I thought that with the addition of Tyreek Hill, there was going to be someone that was kind of going to lose touches and lose right. looks there. And a lot of people thought it was Waddle and Waddle fell in draft boards and stuff like that. And I, I, it's not Waddle. Because <laughs> I'm like, what I saw from Waddle, I was like, no, they're not going to just abandon that. He is going to win people he, leagues. Because he dropped on draft boards, Waddle is going to win people leagues drafted as like a flex wideout, and he might wind up being a top 10 wideout given this Miami offense. Absolutely. So I I had the suspicion that it was going to be Kasicki that was going to lose some of that target share. The first week I was like, oh, confirmation bias. There we go. (laughs) He's a bum. You can drop him. And then, of course, he has a good game. Super athletic touchdown. I, I mean, he caught all four of his passes for 41 yards and that score currently top three at the position going into Monday night. I will say, I mean, tight ends, they're all kind of touchdown dependent. And those four targets do dwarf in comparison to Waddles and Hills combined 32 targets. So he's clearly not the guy that they're looking at first. I mean, I don't know how many times two is going to be throwing like 55 times in a right. game. So I want to, I want to temper expectations. I think that he's worth picking up if you are really tight and needy right now, he is only 27% rostered right now, which is pretty good for a guy that was drafted top 12. Um, Cause I think a lot of people were just cl- like, fast to move on from him. Um, we mentioned their schedule. They play the Bills next, so it's, it's probably not a great matchup. But, I mean, after a certain point on tight end, it's kind of all – everyone's kind of uh, touchdown dependent. So if yeah. you believe in this Dolphins offense, then being touchdown dependent on the Dolphins offense isn't the worst thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mentioned that I had a tight end that I started in place of George Kittle, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it's Cincinnati Bengals tight end Hayden Hurst. Okay, he's he's on under 20% of rosters, but here's the thing. For me, it's actually good to get the tight end when I see how piss poor of an offensive line the Bengals have with Joe Burrow under pressure as much as he is. You know, he's not taking the seven-step drop backs and able to hit Chase down the sidelines or Higgins in deep routes. 
He's looking a little bit more for that security blanket of the tight end position, and that's Hayden Hurst. How crazy am I? I started Hurst because Kittle was out. I may ride with Hurst for a little while longer. Yeah, so speaking of that, I was watching the the Arizona game where Kyler Murray had like what, 25 seconds to throw yes, a pass and, ended up, point conversion. Yes. and they ended up just running it in. And I was just thinking Joe Burrow could never. Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. but yes, it's your, it's your point. Uh, I do think he is an attractive target. Uh, Hurst, he's a guy that didn't really blossom into, I think like from the prospect that we thought he was, but he was a first round talent he just Mm -hmm. happened to be on a team with Mark Andrews who is the tight end one for fantasy this year so I think Hurst is certainly a guy that you can use as a fill-in if you're a Schultz manager at this point um he didn't have like a necessarily a stellar game this game but he's getting the looks he's got the target share and that's what I want to see so like you know with these tight ends like I said I mean a lot of them are touchdown dependent but at least he's getting the targets so he's going to find the end zone at some point so I I mean, I feel good. He's got the Jets on deck. I don't think that they're necessarily a cakewalk, but um, it, it's a good matchup. Let's just say that. All right, fair enough. So those are some of the tight ends, wide receivers, and running backs that Samantha and I are looking at on the waiver wire. But listen, if every league is different, right? We're talking about these guys that may be 43% owned, the guys that may be you know, on rosters. They may not be on available in your league. So if that's the case, Samantha, you've got a mailbag also, right? Where people can ask you a little bit more personal questions according to their actual leagues and actual options. Let the people know how they can hit us with the mailbag, and then maybe we'll do some of them on the show moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I get these very specific questions with this specific scoring, and I've got these Trust guys, me, and this guy's got <laughs> these guys, and what do I do? And I'm like, yeah, just send it. Just send it all to me. Um, I will take the questions via email at mailbag at actionnetwork.com, or you can slide into my DMs um, at Samantha NFL. Yes, I'm inviting the DMs. You're inviting people to slide yes. into your DMs. We got to cut that and edit that separately. <laughs> Samantha is asking people to slide into her DMs, but go but ahead, I digress. Great with great power comes great responsibility. So, you know, like don't, don't, don't be, mess be, it be up. appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, feel free to send me those like weird esoteric leagues where you've got tight end premium and you lose points for efficiency and things like that. And you need help with either line of decisions or a trade question or something like that. Those uh, are really fun to answer and they go into an article. And to your point, if, uh, if we get some good ones, we may mention them here. All right, absolutely. This has been another episode of the Fantasy Flex for Samantha Pravedi. I'm Dane Martinez. Make sure you hit her up with those questions. We'll get some of them on the show. And uh, Samantha, I guess that Taysom Hill thing was a one-week wonder, huh? Because we talked a lot of tight ends, and he didn't make the cut this time around. Yes, very true. I mean, our uh, producer, David, apparently is Taysom Hill Illuminati over here. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I did not recommend starting him this week, and he was a dud. We'll slide into his DMs if you want to know whether or not to start Taysom Hill moving forward. We'll have more waivers, more reactions, more pivot plays for you next week here on the Fantasy Flex Podcast. We'll see you then. 